Welcome to the Freedom Nation Podcast with Jeff Kickel. On this show, Jeff shares his expertise in financial and retirement planning from a different perspective. Planning for your Freedom Day, which is the first day that you wake up and have enough income or assets and do not have to go to work that day. Learn how to calculate what you need, how to generate income sources, and listen to interviews from others who've done it themselves. Get ready to experience your own Freedom Day. Hello, Freedom Nation. It's Jeff here once again with another episode of the Freedom Nation podcast. And on today's episode, we're going to talk to Jeff Russell, who has an amazing Freedom Day story to tell. Jeff, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you, Jeff. It's uh, I know, nice it's to easy be to remember, here. At least. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have such an awesome story. We went through it uh, in the pre-show and really can't wait for you to tell it. So why don't we start off? Tell us your story. How did you get to where you are today? Yeah, great question. I love talking about it because I didn't grow up with money and I didn't grow up in an entrepreneurial family. So I knew nothing about owning, starting a business. I knew nothing about being an entrepreneur. My dad was in the army. So we moved from base to base every two to three years. So I was like more like a little gypsy, but I also learned to hustle. And so I learned to paint fences, do lawns, do all that stuff. So I always kind of was, I wasn't afraid to work. And I think that's one thing I did get from my dad was he had a good work ethic, right? He's here to serve your country, serve others. And so I really kept that. And I was the first in my family to go to college. So nice. because that's what you're supposed to do, right? You're supposed to grind it out. And my parents had $3,000, that didn't get you very far, so I had to get a lot of scholarships, kind of get through there. I did what came easy to me because I'm kind of lazy that way, and that was actually computer science. I actually started in pre-law, and so I got into law school, and I was going to do that, and I was sitting in law libraries. So I'm like, yeah, I cannot do this. This is not my thing. So I promptly dropped out, and like you know, every college dropout, I'm like, okay, maybe I need a break. So I decided I would drop out and become a DJ for Club Med in the Bahamas. So nice. it's every p- parent's dream. Like, what does your son do? Oh, he's a DJ at some <laughs> He was going to be a lawyer, but now he's a DJ in the Bahamas. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and once I did that for about a year, I decided, okay, you know what I need to do is go back to what was easy to me. And one of the things about that moving around every three years is we, there was no computers, no computer games. There was nothing like that. So my dad was luckily fascinated with computers and he bought at Radio Shack, one of these TRS-80s, like probably oh, 1K yeah, computer. man. With the cassette <laughs> tape. And so growing up, if I wanted to play a video game, I had to make it myself. So I was coding and creating games when I was, you know, like eight, nine, 10 years old in the early 80s, right? So this isn't like today, there's way much more, there's training, I was self-taught. So from that, I'm like, well, you know, computer programming is easy. So I decided to do that, you know, then went back on my degree in computer science. So now my parents are back proud of me. And then as well, I got offered a couple of jobs, IBM and Xerox. And 
And at the time, those were two big, huge companies. They were probably the biggest in America. And that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to get a job with a Fortune 10 company if you could. And so I did. I chose Xerox because Xerox is where the mouse was invented, where GUI interfaces were invented. So at the time, this is like late 80s, early 90s, Xerox was, they were, had a great tech part in California and created a lot of cool stuff. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm into that. What I realized was after about three, four years, I get bored very easily and I like to do my own thing. And so one thing about corporate America is doing your own thing is not a really an encouraged Uh, behavior. Not Uh, There's like, no, (laughs) we got politics, we got clatter. You can't make your boss look bad because so you can't really come up with new ideas. So, but I was a pretty smart guy. So after that, I went to work for Fairmont Hotels. I was there for many years. And then a big finance company, Allianz, and we owned Fireman's Fund. We managed $3 trillion worth of assets. So through there, I was kind of learning the skills of systems and procedures, which I didn't realize would come in very handy when I started my own business. Did that. And one of those last times I was, I was always laid off. No one ever fired me because I was a good worker. I did what I needed to do. Uh, So the last one, they gave me a year's salary to go away. And they gave me some career counseling. So, you know, how to make your resume better. Um, those Did those Myers-Briggs tasks and psychological tasks. And then my advisor came back and said, Jeff, you know what? You actually shouldn't work for anyone else. You should start your own business. I'm like, oh, okay. Maybe that's why I'm, I'm pretty much unemployable. <laughs> as, one of my, as one of my friends puts it, she's genetically unemployable. So- Absolutely. I didn't know it at the time. So there was no golden watch opportunity for me. I would kind of just kind of exit out of there. And, but I told him, I don't know anything about starting a business. That's nothing I know. And he goes, there's two ways to do this. You either go franchise or you do like a business opportunity. And in both of those, they'll show you how to do the business. So I'm like, great, sign me up. And so I had decided that I, I, because I came from finance as well, I, I like the equipment leasing business. And nice. so I decided I would do that. So I went to St. Louis and then learned how to be a leasing broker. They taught me everything. And then as I'm kind of looking for customers and I'm, they said, you got to make a hundred calls a day. I'm like, fine, I do it. Like, I'm a very Wait. simple guy. You tell me exactly what I need to do to be successful and I'll do it. I have no... You know, I will pick up the garbage off the floor. I'll do anything. There's nothing beneath me. So, and I think, again, work ethic from my father being in the military, you do what you're told or what you see needs to be done without hesitation. So, started doing that. I didn't make any money for six months, like not a penny. And luckily, I had that one year salary. Yeah, so you had I a year salary though. Hurting, right? But I'm like, something's got to give. And then, boom, I did this one deal and I made $10,000. I'm like, oh, this is pretty good. This is 20 years ago. So, 10 grand, I was a good amount of money. And it was a lot of work though. I'm like, oh, okay. But you know what? I committed. I'm going to do it. And then I did another deal and it was a piece of medical equipment for a doctor. Now, then I realized, okay, when I finance a doctor, he just signs his name and the deal's done in two hours. If yeah, I yeah. sign an entrepreneurial business owner like me, <laughs> it's 14 years of tax <laughs> returns. Um, there, 
You got to yeah. name a yeah. child yeah, after yeah, the bank. You have yeah. Yeah, at least three pints of blood. I mean, everything. And So this is when I first, and I probably always did this, follow the money, right? Yeah. And follow the easy money. There, You can earn a dollar two completely different ways and you still end up with a dollar, right? And so I'm like, okay, one is 10 hours of my work, one's 30 minutes of work, but I still have the same dollar. I'm doing that. And it wasn't a dollar, it was $10,000. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. And divide yeah, so divide spent, the time spent by that same amount of dollars and it's a big difference. <laughs> absolutely. And so I focus on medical equipment. So I yeah. became a medical equipment leasing company. And nice. so what got interesting was I started doing a lot of cosmetic lasers, tattoo removal lasers, hair removal lasers. And again, this is about 17, 18 years ago. So it was early on. I actually ended up finding, seeing the first medical spa in America in Manhattan for a dermatologist. And he's like, yeah, I'm opening up this med spa. I'm like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. I have no idea what that means. Um, but, you know, <laughs> but you, sure it takes you some you equipment. Saw... So let's talk about it. <laughs> exactly. Right. It was easy to do. And so I got known as the medical cosmetic you know, equipment guy. And, there you go. And then people would buy these lasers and they're like, doctors would come to me, like, what do I do now? I'm like, okay, <laughs> well, you bring in patients and use them. It's kind of simple. And they would say, well, do you know someone who's done this? So I'd say, well, I helped this doctor in Salt Lake or Newport Beach or Manhattan, go talk to them. And so I didn't see that as a uh, as a business. I thought it was just a value yeah. add. I was there to help yeah, people. You just connected them, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was simple. But then the doctors would come back to me that I was sending them to and saying, hey, stop sending these people. I'm too busy doing stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay. So you're too busy doing stuff. So why don't we go visit you all, interview you, and create a training program for you? So in that same realm of following the money, we created a training program for these physicians. Hmm. And- it was around 2006 we started that, started small, was doing well, and it was almost par with the financing revenue. So I had the two businesses, one was uh, medical training and one was the financing, and 2008 hit. And, hmm. and those of us who've lived through 2008, we all know what happened. All the money dried up. Yep. So banks weren't lending. My biggest financing bank was General Electric GE Healthcare. Oh. They had a whole, they had a billion dollars that they would give. That just boom, gone. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, my financing business, the money turned off, but I had this medical training, which was going strong as ever. And so then I it accidentally discovered, oh, there's this thing called diversification. It's uh -huh. good to kind of spread your your wealth around just like you would in your investment portfolio. You don't have everything in bonds or anything in stocks, right? You have a mixture. And so I discovered that. So by following the money, right, is kind of how this thread want, went. And then I opened up a medical practice with a, par a physician partner of mine. So that was my third business. Then COVID hit and that wiped out my training business. Hmm. Right. So I'm like, okay, we cannot do training anymore. Right. Because you're not allowed to travel and yep. you, you, there was vaccination requirements and all this different stuff. I'm like, okay, what are we going to do? 
Well, luckily, I was very much a content guy. So, and this is one of my tips, always look at your internal processes, your internal data, like what information do you have? So we took it all and created online courses. And within probably 64 days, we were making more money than we were with our live training. And it continues to double the live training revenue. And we've been doing it, you know, for a couple of years. I think a lot of companies realize that. Yeah. So, because before we tried online training before COVID, no one wanted to do it. But everyone got acclimatized to doing it and like, well, I'll do it. So, it's actually worked out really well. Yeah. So, that's kind of... And it was during COVID, I went to my accountant and I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? My business was just wiped out. Like, I cannot do training. I can't bring anyone in. Not going to do this. I'm like, and he goes, what are you worried about? I'm like, well, (laughs) because I got to grind it, right? That's what I do. I'm wired to to get, to move forward. He goes, you have enough money. You don't have to work a day of your life. I'm like, oh, I'm like, okay, that's good to know. So, (laughs) and I'll tell you that, that relief, ah, like it took the pressure off and boy, did I start to think clearly. So now all of a sudden, when you're under it, sometimes you can think very clearly and strategically quickly, but it drains you. But when you have this big weight that, you know what, you hit your freedom day, I'm like, now what I'm doing is optional. It's what I want to do, what I enjoy doing. And then that three years ago, I decided I'm going to work 10 days a month because I said, you know what, I'm a young guy. I'm 52 at the time. I, you know, I'm... I got a lot left in me and I like helping people and doing stuff. Doesn't have to be for money, right? You know, it's just whatever is enjoyable. And so that's when I really started. I went from 30 days a month to 20 days a month to 15 days a month to 10 days. And next year, my hope is to get down to five days a month. Nice. Of doing is I can't stop because I like to help people and create. And so. I turn my businesses into ATMs. They generate money whether I'm there or not. And one of the benefits to that I discovered kind of by accident was it increased the valuation of my business. Because a business that doesn't require the owner is much more valuable than a business that does require the owner. Yeah. No, I think that's amazing. And, you know, I I think your story, I hope for the, the half of our audience that listens that are business owners... I hope you got what Jeff was talking about there. You know, not only did he go along, you know, so many people stay with this this one thing that they do and they're really good at it and they're really successful. And then something happens like COVID, something happens like 2008 and it blows them up. And Jeff was smart enough to say, all right, well, let's try this. Let's try that. Let's try some of these other areas, not necessarily thinking that he was going to make that much money at it. And that, I mean, effectively that became your business as a result of it. Yeah. And I always try and focus on number one is to help people and provide value. So if I can't do that, the money doesn't come. So it's not money first, it's providing value. Second though, is if I'm going to do something, I need to have at least a 50% profit margin. Because what I learned very early on, the margins are what allow you to sleep at night. In many of my business, they're actually closer to 85%, right? So that means things can go wrong and I'm not losing sleep like COVID, right? I could have gone years with the money in the bank, but 
you know, we we pivoted and didn't have to do that. But I never like to be beaten by someone else. I like to always be the decision maker of when I'm going to be done. And so just, and I think many entrepreneurs are like this. We have a spark that, yeah, you think I'm down? No, I'm not down. And then we start thinking outside of the box and that's where Mm -hmm. the interesting ideas come from. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the point that you have to work towards. I don't think that's something that people, it's a natural thing for most people to be able to do that. It's, it's something that takes repetition of, okay, well, so I can do that, but what if I do this? What if I do this? What if I do this? And keep trying and keep thinking of different ways and being creative. That's, I think, the talent that, that we develop as an entrepreneur. Absolutely. And you it's those filters that you have to always live by. So it's like, do I do this? Does it get to me where the end game is? And yeah. for me, the end game's not any one of my businesses. It's the big end game, right? Yeah. So for me, I just find that filtering allows me to stay more focused and make the right decisions. And, you know, I say I work 10 days a month. I work as much in 10 days a month as I did when I was 30 days a month, but I'm extremely focused now. Yes. Like, it's almost like, you know, that Friday before when you go on your family vacation to Disney, you're you're getting stuff down, you're answering the, you know, getting everything off your plate so you can enjoy your vacation. Well, that's what it's like every day I work my 10 days. Yeah. So I find there's no distractions. I know that I'm not working. Like, today's my last day. So that's it. So I've got uh, everything has to be wrapped up today because there's no tomorrow. It has to wait till next month. And so it just that forces you to kind of get to your freedom day faster. Uh Yeah. Well, but I mean, it also helps you to I mean, it's Parkinson's law. The amount of the gravity of a situation is completely related to the time that you allot to it. So if you give yourself 80 hours a week, you're going to take 80 hours a week to get projects done. If you give yourself 10 hours a month or 10 days a month, you're going to get that all that stuff done in 10 days a month if you're honest with yourself. I know a lot of entrepreneurs will go, oh, well, I'm on a, yeah, I love what Jeff's saying and I'm going to work 10 hours or 10 days a month. But, you know, if I don't get stuff done, then I'll, I'll you know, I can still work at home or I can still do, no, you've got to do that. And I, I, that was one of the things I know for me as I sold my primary interest in a business last year. And it was my freedom day and I started to look at things and, and I look at things differently today. I, I not only look at what new thing I'm bringing into my life, is it going to generate revenue? Yes, that's important. But I also now, and I think you're kind of the same way, I also came to the realization is, is this going to require a lot of Jeff's time to do that? And if it requires a lot of Jeff's time and in, in either Jeff here, it's it's not going to happen, you know, and I I haven't gotten to the 10 days a month, but I, I work four day weeks and that's it. You know, I take most Fridays off. If anything, I go into the office for the morning and goof off for, you know, half the day and then go home because my wife's got to be there. But that's for me, you know, I went from working 70, 80 hour work weeks down to like 30 and I make double the amount of money I used to make at this point. Absolutely. And that's so true. And I'll just warn you, it's going to be difficult because you know what? Friday at three o'clock, your biggest client has time available for you. Yeah. And so one thing that I'm very upfront with all my team and my customers, this is a selling point, actually. I tell people, look, I only work 10 days a month. So if you need to get a hold of me, 
it's going to be very difficult. Like yeah. there is a billionaire who's trying to, we're trying to connect something for the last two weeks and he wanted to do 5 p.m. on a Monday. And I'm like, you know what? I don't work when I do work. I don't work past three because I'm not yeah. at my best. So that's one yep. thing I've learned. I work at my best in the morning and I try and wrap up anything by noon. I don't like to do anything in the afternoon. And I just, his EA today, you know, I had my EA talk to his EA saying, yeah, can't do it. So now we're booking like third week into November. And this yeah. guy's got big money. He's a game changer, but he respects it actually. He goes, yeah, Jeff doesn't have time. It's fine with me. Like, this is how he's living. So, yeah. and my staff know it too. So they know you don't send me an email on Friday afternoon, expect any type of response whatsoever, right? And, and they know when I'm working. But what I do do in those downtimes, I create a massive amount of value. And some of it is charity work, some of it's like opportunities. I had lunch with this guy a few weeks ago, and it turned into I got in an early in apartment building investment right before it went to the public. So it's just like, oh yeah, I'm doing this conversion and all that. We're going to need, yeah, because there's, you want that first round of money, right? That's where you want to be. And that's yeah. the other thing I've learned. There's different categories of first in, second in, fifth in. Most people are fifth in. You've already missed the money making. Yeah. You've missed the good stuff at that point. Yeah. And I, but I, if I was grinding it in the old days, I'd be looking, oh, it's two o'clock. I miss lunch. Like you yeah. just work through lunch, right? Where it was great to have that day off, sit at the golf clubs, chat, nothing, no agendas on either of us. But it was like, hmm, you know, I'm looking to bulk up my real estate investment portfolio in my family office. He has a deal. This could work really well. It, it fits my parameters. Yep. And so there's opportunities that you know you're looking for that come to you. So it's really weird. Yeah, totally understand that. What's new in your world? What uh, what is there anything that you're working on that you want to share? I actually just released my fourth book nice. uh, a couple of months ago, and it was called Fire Yourself First. And it really is the story of how I, when I got my Freedom Day, was to fire myself from my business. And I'm a simplifier. I don't like complicated things. I don't want a dashboard or KPI. I don't want 40 KPIs. I want four, right? Yeah. As soon as I turn 50, I can't do more than three or four things. So do not, <laughs> prioritization has got to be succinct. It's got to be very clear for me. And so I looked at how did I get to, everybody was asking me, how do you get to 10 days? I'm like, here's the manual. I'm not a consultant. I don't have workshops. There's nothing I'm selling you. This is everything I do and all the tips and the tricks on how I do it. So I basically summed it down to four steps. First one, a lot of people who sell their businesses don't do, and they don't have a purpose bigger than themselves. So when they sell their business, they get the big check. They don't know what to do. I yeah. didn't want that to happen. I've had some good friends getting big eight-figure checks that I'm talking off the bridge, like they're yeah. ready to the jump because yeah. they just well you don't you have to replace yeah you have to replace what you're doing with something i mean you can't have a void of just nothing you're not going to sit on the front porch and whittle wood for the rest of your life absolutely right and they don't realize yeah. that and it has to be something like inside that is really important for mm -hmm. them 
And then the second thing is you got to have a team that can run without you. And that many, many entrepreneurs are very bad at this because they hire people that require them to be there. They will not make a decision. You'll be in a meeting and everyone will look at the owner, right? Like you. And so it's like, yeah, you're not fostering that autonomous team. And I call it, I need to move to an autonomous business, one that runs without me. And so hardest thing in any business is hiring people. I've hired psychopath, pathological liars. I've had A players that were amazing. People who've tried to sue me and people who've made me millions of dollars. There's a big range in there. And so I created maybe five, six years ago, this 11-step hiring process. And that's in the book. I'm like, you know what? You got to have the right people. You know, questions I ask people are like, you know, what What did you do to improve your knowledge in the last year? You'd be amazed at how many people have done nothing. Well, if you're not a self-learner, you're not good for an autonomous business because you need to be able to make decisions without me, the owner, being there. So I need yeah. someone who's kind of that self-learner. And then the third of the four steps is scorecards and dashboards. The These are KPIs. I kind of split them up and make them fun. The the owner has the scorecard, sorry, has the dashboard, like on the car's dashboard. But I give all my employees scorecards, like in a basketball game, you get a scoreboard there so that they know what number they're responsible for. And all of their numbers go into mine. Because if okay. you're going to let your business run without you, you need to know three or four leading and lagging indicators that okay. show you how your business is going or you're going to get jumped back, you're going to get pulled back in, right? So, and sometimes this takes six months to do. You test this number, it works, and then all of a sudden it doesn't work, like something was missed. So this is an evolution. You don't have to, it's not done tomorrow. And then what's your exit going to look like? For me, my exit was I love my business, I love my customers, I love doing it, so why would I sell it? So it's not an exit yet. It's to run without me, and basically operate like an ATM. So it's making money whether I'm there or not. So which exit is right for you? And you may be to the point where, hey, the exit, the sell is, that's your what you want. Nothing wrong with that. But yeah. if you run it as an ATM, you're preparing it for the sale because you're not required to be there. Yeah. So that's my latest project. And I thought it was fun. You know, we trademarked Fire Yourself first. It was funny. No one's done it before. So that's shocking. But it really, I could have sworn there was a book by that name, but that's all, that's outstanding. Yeah, there is. It's my book. Uh, yeah. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that's led on to we created a website, fireyourselffirst.com. And you can go there and download the 11 step hiring process a clarity map to find your purpose and some a lot of great tools that'll help you out. That is That's awesome. my latest project. So and I just love giving back and helping people because it's listening to these podcasts like this. What everyone's going to take one or two nuggets and I really hope it's going to improve the life of them and their family and reduce the stress and just show them that you may be stressed right now, but th- it, there is a light at the end of the tubble, tunnel, and it's amazing, right? So you're going to get there, right? It's just a simple process to follow. That is fantastic, Jeff. The, all right. So now let's transition to the fast five questions. You ready? I'm ready. All right. 
So first question, you wake up in the morning, business is totally gone. You have a laptop computer, a place to stay, food and drink. What are you going to do first? And 500 bucks, by the way. Well, my accountant says I have a lot more than that in the bank, so I'm not really worried. But if my bank was my bank accounts, so that's one thing. 50% of my profits hidden. Boom. Nice. I And not hidden from the IRS, just, you know, let's move it out and make sure we have taxes are accounted for. You need to do that. And that profit first was a great read oh, for my me. God. And, yes. and it's made a big difference. You need to do that. But because I've read six books a month for 20 years, I know a lot about a lot. And I would just look at who who needs help and who's got a ch- who can write a chuck. So yeah. sometimes the people who can need the help don't see the value in your help and can't write a chuck. Well, if I've got to get back on my feet, you got to be a chuck writer. Mm-hmm. Love it. What's your biggest business mistake you've ever made? I wanted to do everything myself and I didn't hire early enough. I do that over and over and over again. <laughs> you cannot fire yourself if you have nobody there to actually do the work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's the best book that you would recommend for our audience? I must, you know, your audience is, I think, a lot of people who maybe want to get into business for themselves or are in business for themselves. The best book I ever read probably is The One Thing by Gary Keller. Okay. Because you know what our biggest problem is? Distractions. Whoa, there's a squirrel. Whoa, there's a yeah. squirrel. Look at that silver ball, right? And the one thing kind of trains you to focus on the first domino, the most important activity that's going to get all the other activities done. So it may be easy to do this over here, but if you can do something a little bit more difficult and knocks down 10 things, do it. Right. So you have to really think about that. Love it. What's a tool that you use in your business every day that you might recommend? Surprisingly enough, it's a very old tool. Are you, we have all these AI tools and stuff that we use. And, and maybe those AI tools will take over from me right now, but Evernote. And yeah. one of the things I like Evernote is that I discovered how to put a widget on my iPhone of the top three tasks. So I'm hyper, hyper focused. When I turn my phone on, I have the weather, my calendar, and I have a widget that tells me the top three things I'm working on today. And so that acts as like an automatic filter. And it really takes the top three things from the Evernote task bar. And so that's how it is. So I'm like, this is so simple. I've tried other things like Outlook and that and reminders and none of that was simple. I just just wanted to look at it. Okay, working on this. Good. Yeah. Well, and that gets back to the one thing too. It's like, okay, what what are the things I need to focus on? You know, I do that in my own business. I mean, I I even I'm even lower tech. I mean, I love Evernote and I use it, but I I've got a, a sheet that I printed out and it's basically got three different categories. Usually I use them as businesses three different businesses that I've got, and then what are the key tasks, five of them, that need to be completed this week for that, to, to drive the business forward, hit my you know objectives and key results. And then all I have to do is just take from those and build my three things per day, you know, and that works out 15 tasks, five days, three, t- three key things a day. It's the easiest system I've ever seen. 
So right along the same lines as what you're doing with Evernote, um, you know, and you'll accomplish so much more because you don't have this list of 80 tasks that you never get through ever. Yeah. You got to chunk it down to the, and always filter everything. What is the truly, sometimes it's urgent because of time. Yeah. It's not the most important, but you have to do it. You know, like IRS filings coming up, you kind of have to do that, right? Like, yep. Or you do an extension, but anyways, yeah. that's why I'm doing. Well, and, and fans of the show, I mean, I use a I use an acronym idea, so it's identify what needs to be done, delegate what you can, eliminate what you can, automate what you can, and after I've gotten through all those filters, anything that's left, probably I have to do at that point. Yeah. Until I figure out Robot Jeff, and I can make <laughs> Robot Jeff do it all with AI, and and then I won't have to be involved at all. Haven't figured that part out yet. Yeah, I actually just uploaded. So Claudio, uh, Claude.io allows a 30,000 word prompt. And so nice. my 125 page book is just about 30,000 words. So you can do that as a prompt, upload a book, and then what uh-huh. would Jeff say? And it will do that. It's amazing. Wow. I'm actually learning better ways of doing stuff. So it actually took everything in my book and created like a FAQ, like it almost was a brain dump. Because when you look at the four steps of running a business, it really is everything. I don't realize I'm doing time management and hiring pro- mm-hmm. you know, processes and creating SOPs, and but these are all part of a business. Yeah. Um, but when you actually have that written down, then you could actually use it as a prompt over and over again for your own internal use. So I may be using that for my team. What would Jeff say? They're just going to upload my 30,000 page book. And it actually gives a very accurate of how I would solve something. Wow. So I am excited about how AI and where it's going. So it'll be interesting. I mean, honestly, it's, yeah, it's a little clunky at the beginning, but I I see it, you know, everybody's so concerned about it. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, the only people I would be concerned that if I was concerned would be the people who uh, aren't adopting it and they're going to be left behind. At this point. Absolutely. So I think the, the speed of business is going to be so important. And if you're not looking at ways to, to you know, identify AI, I mean, I, I just think of it, I was getting ready to send out a follow-up. I had a networking meeting or a networking group that I, I organize. And we're, I was just getting ready to send out the like follow-up. Hey, it was a great meeting and all this. And I saw this little AI button on the email program that I use. And I was like, huh, hadn't used that before and hit that. And it says, you know, tell what it was. And so I just kind of give a brief explanation of what it was and bam, hit the thing, wax off about a, a 150 to 200 word email. Wow. Pretty close to exactly the way I would have written it at that point. So wow. it ended up taking me less than five minutes to do that instead of staring into a completely empty screen for, you know, an hour trying to come up with the wording I was going to use. Love it. Yeah, Amazing. that's brilliant. So last question, what is your definition of freedom? You know, it's funny. I trademarked this a few years ago. I've been actually good. I And that's another tip for you guys, IP. Make sure you patent, trademark, copyright your, your stuff because there's most of the value on the S&P 500 is non-tangible patents, copyrights, and trademarks not physical stuff. So it's important to do this. I trademarked live a life well lived. Nice. Because when I was probably about 40, 45, I'm like, 
okay, I've accomplished all this stuff. Have I really lived the life that I dreamt that I was going to live when I was in my teens and 20s? And I realized, no, I didn't, right? And that's when I started, I, I do a scholarship to my high school, right? Like actually three scholarships because I came from nothing, right? And, yeah. and my parents, it's a lot. And so I want people who've been in a similar situation to get a step up. And so I do that live a life well lived. And I ask myself, you know, when I'm filtering, do I do this or not? Especially more personal family things. Would this really attribute to my living a life well lived? And that is really my key of freedom is I can do what I want when I want and with the people that I want. And nice. I truly have self-content well-being that I am living the life well lived. I love it. Fantastic. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for being on. You shared with everybody, you know, places that they could find you. But if you want to just share that one more time, what's the best way if somebody wants to learn more about you or get in contact with you, what's the best way? Sure. All those free book resources are at the book's website, which is fireyourselffirst.com. So that's fireyourselffirst.com. So you can download them there. At the very bottom are the connect with me. So LinkedIn, I'll just warn you, is the best way to get in touch with me. I'm on Facebook and other ones, but I don't check them as often as I probably should. So that's a great way. If you have any questions, I love to help you. Brilliant. Well, Jeff, thank you very much for being on the show today and sharing your story. It's It was very inspiring. For those of us that are continuing along our Freedom Day journey, it's an uh, inspiration to hear what you're doing right now. Awesome. It was awesome to be here, Jeff. Thank you. And folks, we really do these shows for you. Bring people like Jeff on to, to share their stories so that hopefully it makes you excited and it makes maybe his story resonates with you and you can follow along that path. We do, do these Tuesdays and Thursdays, so make sure that you subscribe to the channel Make sure that you give us an upvote, a five star, wherever you're listening or watching this ad. Make sure that you let us know that you exist out there. And if you want, give us a comment, ask a question. Love to, love to interact with you that way. So thanks a lot. And we will see you guys back here the very next time. Thank you for listening to the Freedom Nation podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and all the major channels. Wherever you're listening, please subscribe to the channel and leave a rating and review. If you have friends and family that could benefit from their own Freedom Day, please share with them. Finally, join Freedom Nation by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.